Babies don't come with a manual, but today there are thousands of books and experts to help guide you when you have a challenge. The problem is, where do you start? This is Helpline in Focus, where we look at single issues that come up time and again in our regular Helpline series. Today, we're talking about first foods with Dr. Jen Cohen, a paediatric nutritionist and fussy eating expert. Hi, Jen. Thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure. Now, I cast my mind back to when my kids had their first foods. They're six and eight now. And I just remember being so excited and kind of, you know, a little bit thinking to myself, why are you so excited about this? It's a bit weird, but there is such an amazing feeling when your child has their first food, isn't it? I mean, have you got any idea why we get so excited about it? I was just thinking about when you said that, it's like, I was, I was the same. It became such a milestone. You know, you took, you know, you took the photo, you got the food, you know, the photo with the messy face. Um, actually, it's a question I've never been asked before. I think it's just probably like walking, like talking. It's just one of those milestones that means that, your kids are growing up um, and that maybe the baby is, you know, the, the early baby is starting to, to progress. So, and I think it's also something then, especially for other family members, you know, especially if your child's um, breastfed, exclusively breastfed, no one else has been able to, to help with the feeding part of um, feeding part. So there's also a, you know, that opportunity for, you know, dads and partners and grandparents to be involved as well. But yes, I took the photos for both kids as well. <laughs> and just the re the reaction to different foods um, and their facial expressions. And it's also for me, I think a little bit like um, everything with babies and children, you see the world again through their eyes and just watching them experience food it's although it's so mundane for us now unless you've got a particularly good meal um for them just having I don't know pureed pumpkin is just this amazing thing I have to admit one of my favorite videos though was when I filmed my son trying broccoli for the first time it was a bit like those videos where people give babies a lemon I didn't think it was as cruel as giving them a lemon but his face, you would have thought he was eating a lemon. He does not. It's a bit bitter, isn't it, broccoli as yeah, a first food? It is. I laugh. Actually, one of our friends wanted us, he wanted us to do the, the lemon videos with our kids and I refused to let him. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's like they're quite, they're quite funny when they're not your own kids. The, the face <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and, then and then you get the one, the videos with the kids who, you know, give an ice cream for the first time and like the wonder on the face as well. Yeah, so, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, so like most things with parenting today, there is so much information out there about first foods, how to give it to them, what to give to them. Does it need to be that complicated? Um, that's actually a really good question. And I think you're right. We will like anything with parenting these days, now that we have the internet and social media, um, that it has become more complicated because, you know, there's different ways of doing it. You know, is it the puree? Is it baby led weaning but also things like guidelines keep changing is it four months is it six months is it four months do we introduce peanuts early do we introduce them later do we introduce them earlier and I think what's hard for parents is the the evidence and the research and the research actually has changed over time like I remember when it was you introduced solids at four months and then it was no not before six months and then it was four months and it's the same with allergy food so I think it's become complicated because we have learnt more which is a really great thing but when the information keeps changing, I think we complicate it sometimes. And I think that's, right. that, you know, that's my next I'm question doing. is, 
what are the rules and what are, yes. what are the current guidelines? When should we start solids? Okay, so that hasn't really changed much now. So the problem with this guideline is it's not definitive like all of parenting. So what we say is somewhere between four and six months, absolutely not before four months, even if you think they're ready and they're hungry, absolutely not. But also you don't want to go past six months either. Um, and there's a whole development phase with eating and food, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But we, we normally say between four and six months, but then looking for those readiness signs. So if you try your child at four, four and a half months and they turn their head away or they're sort of not sitting up properly, then don't worry, leave it a couple of weeks and try again. What I did now, my kids are six and eight as well. I split the difference at five months um, just because <laughs> even I'm like, let's just go with five months because that's um, easier. But I think, you know, if you think your child's ready, then start them, but definitely not before four months. But the most important thing is that they're, they're kind of ready for it. And a lot of it is about how they're sitting in a chair and that they've got, you know, got good push, posture and can sit up. And I think until they've got that, then it's not worth trying. So I think sometimes mm -hmm. looking for those signs is probably gives you a bit of a cue for when to start. So just putting my earlier parenting cap on, I think what I would have asked you then at that point, you know, between four and six months is are there any nutritional requirements for them starting? So if you think, oh, they're not ready at four months, oh, they're going to miss out on their iron intake or? No, no. And the answer between four and six months, definitely not. The thing about... Um, the six month thing, you know, the six month guideline was always about iron, which has caused a bit of problems. Um, I think because that kind of worries parents. But for children who are exclusively breastfed, um, breast milk doesn't have a huge amount of iron in it. And that's completely okay because babies lay down um, stocks of iron before they're born, you know, that's part of the, the growth process. Yeah, because they're taking and all of our iron. They're basically, they're, 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 they're taking everything for you, which is why you feel so terrible in the last few months of pregnancy, because they're taking all your nutrition away from you. But yes, exactly, that's what they're doing. But we know that sort of stocks, you know, of their iron go low. So that's where we say the introducing solids around the six months is when iron's starting to get low and you want to introduce iron rich foods the problem with that advice is that we start getting worried and it has to be iron rich food and why aren't they taking it and I sort of say yes iron is important at this age but the solid the solids in the first six months six to 12 months there's it's not just about nutrition that's a small part of introducing solids and I think that's really important for new parents it's introducing solids at that stage is introducing them to you know those allergy foods because we now know that introducing the allergy food so things like peanuts and eggs early is good and more consistent so that's an important part of the solids um, but it's also about um, introducing um, new flavors and textures so lots of different flavors lots of different textures but it's also a developmental um, thing with solids that kids need to learn how to chew and swallow it's not something that's just innate it's not like you know the the sucking which is just something they're born with Chewing and swallowing, like walking, like talking, like uh, toilet training and everything else is something that needs to be learned. And kids learn it best in the first six to 12 months. So uh, it's not just about nutrition in the first six to 12 months. There's other things going on. I think that's important for, for parents to remember. But the iron story is sort of what we hear the most. Yeah. We have a question from Mei Ling on Facebook Live. She says, hi there. At what age should babies start having lumpy foods instead of smooth purees if you're not doing baby lead weaning? Yeah. Um, the answer to that is as early as possible. Um, if you look at guidelines, and we all love 
guideline as a parent and don't get me wrong I love a good guideline <laughs> but you would say you know that if you're not doing um you know baby led weaning then what it sort of says is purees for the first few months and then by about eight months starting to get the textures into there um I don't love that because I feel like them parents wait um and the longer you wait to get textures in the heart like it's the longer you wait, the harder it is almost for the child to learn how to deal with the textures. So, you know, you don't have to do it at six at six months. But if they're starting to take puree well, then don't be afraid to start putting some texture into the food, even if it's just a little bit, because that's all part of learning how to chew and swallow. And a lot of um, babies early on, they that what happens is, you know, you give them something texture, they either don't like it and they spit it out or they tend to gag or they do other things. That is normal part of learning how to eat. Kids who are learning how to walk, they fall down a lot and they keep falling down and then over time they fall down less. The solid food and the puree, you know, that texture is exactly the same. They're going to do that kind of horrible like sound sometimes <laughs> at the beginning. There's a difference between choking and kind of like gagging a little bit. Gagging a little bit is okay, that's part of it. But if we, what happens is we get as parents scared of that kind of sound, which I'm not going to repeat. Um, and <laughs> what happens is we then stick with the puree. But if we stick with the puree, that's what causes problems down the track because you need to progress with into texture. You need to progress with finger foods because that's how we learn, kids learn to chew and swallow. And if they don't learn how to chew and swallow, then they're going to be on puree for a lot longer. And that's where that fussy eating piece comes in. Because a lot of the time people think they're fussy because they don't like the food, but it could be that they just haven't learned how to handle the texture. So no mm. set time, but I'd say, you know, don't be, you don't have to wait till eight months to start with some texture in the food. Okay. So my next question is without sound effects, are you able to distinguish the difference between a natural gagging response to food yeah. and when they're choking? <laughs> no, it's, it's really hard because it, it's, it's sort of like a, and I'm not doing any more sound effects. Like it is a scale. Um, mm -hmm. But choking is where you can see that they're like they're having trouble kind of dealing with it, where you're finally gagging. They kind of cough, 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 spit it out. And you know what? Spinning is good. Let them spit it out. Um, but if they're doing the kind of, uh, I see them doing sound effects, <laughs> they, that's kind of normal. But the reality is if they're doing quite a lot of gagging and it doesn't seem to be improving, then go and see someone early. Like anything with kids, seeing a health professional early about this is really important to then check. So pediatric speech pathologists who who specialize in feeding so there's speech pathologists who deal with the talking but there's ones who deal with feeding and they can actually check what's going on in the child's mouth and if we worry about it being more than sort of learning how to eat so again if you've got a child who's sort of still doing that gagging sound at sort of eight nine ten months then go and see someone about it because early intervention is so important in this case we have another question. This one's from Juan. Uh, she says, my 10-month-old has been really interested, interested in food. He's been great with different textures too. Is it too soon to feed him the family's food? I have stuck to giving him a variety of steamed or boiled foods with no flavoring whatsoever, which seems boring, but I'm worried about feeding him family food because of sugar and salt that's in it. Should I be concerned? I'm getting conflicting information. Also, do I really have to introduce one type of food at a time if it's new? <laughs> oh, the introducing one food at a time, which then ends up taking every three or four days. That's from an allergy perspective, the introducing new foods. If you've got to 10 months and there's you've introduced the main allergy foods, so egg, you know, seafood, 
dairy, nuts, don't forget nuts. If you've introduced those, um, soy is another one, but if you've introduced those and you've had no problems, then you don't need to get that go that slow. Our aim is by 12 months that we want them to be eating family food. So doing family foods at 10 months is definitely okay. But I agree about the sugar and salt thing. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky. I tended to make sure that I was just cooking meals that had a lot less salt and a lot less sugar in it. So we could, so it made us healthier as well. But so it made it easier to serve the family foods. But your question about the, the plain boring food actually you know what in this age we actually want to introduce flavors into our kids diet so the flavors aren't sugar and salt take them away what we mean is lots of spices so not you know not necessarily even hot spices but you can if that's part of your culture but you know your um you know paprika and cumin and oregano so those kind of you know the the herbs you know parsley coriander um all of those flavors are really, really important to introduce into your child's diet as early as possible because the six to 12 months is where they get familiar with new foods. And if we kind of miss that mark and you get to 12 months and they've still had the kind of plain, boring foods, and it's actually harder for them to like those new foods. So what you're wanting in six to 12 months is lots of variety, but lots of flavor, taking away the sugar and the salt. And the reality is if you're, I think I remember my sec second child especially, I just kind of gave up because it was just too hard with a toddler and a newborn. It's like, I've roasted some veggies, you're just getting that, you know, and I haven't put, <laughs> I haven't put like, you know, salt in them or anything like that. Or we're just having this meal. There's not much salt in there. I kept it out so you can have it. So the answer is at 10 months, you know, within reason, because we definitely don't want added sugar at this age or even too much salt, but within reason, family food is the way to go. You do understand how painful this interview is for me, don't yes, you, Jen? Yes, I know. I, I missed that six to 12 months and we're still not. I was going to say, yeah, and if they can just see little flecks of green in their food and not complain about it, then that is a good start. Definitely, definitely. Oh I know God. every time we chat, you sit there going, hindsight's a good thing. Hindsight <sighs> is a good thing. All I, should, all I can say for those who haven't heard my previous conversations with Jen is that I have uh, – a very fussy eater that's getting a lot better actually, Jen, but that's because I didn't know Jen when she was six to, when my baby was six to 12 months. It would have made a big difference. Anyway, that's for you guys to use and to not end up with a child like mine. Here's a question. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about baby led weaning. With my first bub, we did the pureed foods first. She had a hard time with veggies. She doesn't even want to taste them. I'm thinking that my when my next is ready, I'll try baby led weaning, weaning instead. I'd love any advice you might have and what foods to start with. Yeah. Um, so this is the whole baby led weaning versus traditional puree. And I actually think they don't have to be, I don't know what the word is, they don't have to be one or the other. You exclusive. can actually, you don't have to be, yeah, they don't have to be exclusive. You can actually do both. So I tended to do that. I'm a little bit less of the one way or another. So, you know, you can still be doing some puree that you're, you know, spoon feeding or they're spoon feeding themselves, but you can also be giving finger foods. And in fact, giving finger foods really early is really important because one it gives that child a sense of um you know ownership over it they you know they have control um two what it is doing is helping with those textures that i've been talking about and learning how to chew and swallow but also i think even at a young age 
kids know when we want them to do something. Even babies seem to have this sense. So when we're feeding them and we're like one more bite, one more bite, and they sort of turn their head away and you get stressed, kids pick up on that. So what I like about the baby-led weaning is that we tend to leave the control in the child's hand with hand, kind of the palm. But it's true. It's like, you know, you're putting it down and saying, you choose what you want to have, you eat, and you're taking that stress away. Um, and so what happens is, you know, kids are naturally fearful of new foods. It's actually part of our, I guess, genetic makeup. It's a, you know, survival of the fittest thing. So especially foods that are bitter, which like those vegetables, kids aren't automatically going to eat them straight away. Some do. Um, and that's a whole nother conversation about sort of how sensitive, sensitivity to taste. But veggies, like the first who didn't have the veggies, they naturally are going to be fearful from them. So what happens is it's about consistently giving, you know, the foods, even if they don't like it. So what we tend to do is try broccoli once or twice and then oh, they don't like it. I can't be bothered. I hate waste. I won't do it again for a couple of months. So what it is is about doing, being consistent with giving those vegetables in a stress-free environment. And I think what happens with the, the, the baby-led weaning is that we tend to go, oh, just have it. I'm, I'm busy with, you know, especially if it's a second child, I'm busy, I want to do some. And then the kids, we have less... I guess, stress if they don't eat it. Um, and they also don't pick up on those stress and are potentially more likely to eat it. So as far as what to give with baby-led weaning, you know, it's it's like like all advice, whether you're doing puree or baby-led weaning, is, you know, sometimes start with those bitter foods first rather than the sweet foods. Don't start with an apple. Don't start with a, you know, a pear because that's sweet. They like sweet. So start with you know, a puree, even a puree carrot, it's kind of somewhere in between sweet and savory, a puree pumpkin, you know, and if you're doing baby lead weaning, you know, soft cooked carrots, soft good cooked zucchini, soft cooked, you know, eggplant and start with those first. And I think with baby lead weaning, we tend to start with those veggies first a lot of the time because they're a whole lot easier. So whether it helps with your um, child, it's not just about baby lead weaning that helps with the variety of you know wanting those vegetables but starting with them early and being consistent is really important yeah that consistency man I could just give a whole lecture on uh you know how to raise a non-fussy eater just by all the mistakes I made well I could just I could just go out there and say don't do this because you know what we started with don't you uh apple or pear no we put greek yogurt with everything Ah. if I couldn't get her to eat greek yogurt she'd eat it yeah. yeah. So mix mix it all together. Yes. Oh my lord. See, don't you think? Yeah. You think, do you want to bring me on your next um lecture tour <laughs> and just say, here's Siobhan, this is all the stuff she did that wasn't too helpful. Anyway. Sure. I'm not sure about the shaming, but if you're up for it, that's no problem. But the question is, and this is probably interesting for parents actually listening, I'm gonna ask you, is I know hindsight's a good thing, but when you're in a sleep deprivation and you're stressed and you're worried about your child not getting the food in. Do you think you could do it differently now in those early days? You know what I didn't really understand back then that I do understand now is I just felt like they were never going to respond to any of the changes. I thought any change would be too hard and and that's across the board with sleep or um, I didn't set boundaries. I didn't, I kind of didn't allow myself to be in control um, because I thought I just didn't know anything and <laughs> which is kind of true. I didn't, but at the same time, um, you're right. I was sleep deprived, but I also underestimated my own 
power of my child in a way, do you know, like just to um, one of those pieces of advice you gave then about consistency, the only vegetable I was consistent with was broccoli because it was my favorite vegetable. And I was like, you're going to eat it. I don't care. Um, And it was right. I just kept giving it. And it's one of the few vegetables that I ended up getting them to eat. So I think on reflection, if I could give myself any advice is don't underestimate the power of following a pattern, you know, of being consistent. I'd try something for one or two nights or one or two days and go, it's not working. Just don't do it anymore. But now looking back, I can see that actually just persisting for a bit longer could have made a big difference in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think that the reason I know I'm interviewing you now, but I think yeah. it's important for parents to hear those messages because I think we get so stressed and it was easier for me because I understood nutrition and baby, you know, and solace. Who knows what would have my kids would have been like if I didn't, but it's so stressful because all you think about as a parent is I must get the nutrition in. I must get the nutrition in. And that's all that you really get told when we talk about introducing solids. The reality is besides the iron store, and I'm not even that stressed about it too much. It is important. But the first six to 12 months is a little bit less about the nutrition and more about those, you know, the constant providing, the, you know, calm, you know, calm situation, the consistency and making that mealtime happy and, the, you know, introducing lots of different foods. It's not about them eating it. It's less about the eating and more about those kind of, you know, the, you know, the constant exposure, but also getting them to learn how to chew and swallow. And, but I think when you're so worried about the nutrition, oh my God, they're going to starve if they don't eat this bite of carrot or they're not eating. So I'm going to mix everything with Greek yogurt. <laughs> then what happens? That's when you come into problems. So it's taking the pressure away and that's easier said than done. So yeah. it's not coming from a, you know, a self-righteous, it's just, it's, I understand where parents come from in this situation. And also I think we're taught these days as parents to be so, you know, we talk about the intensification of parenting where there's so much information and we're told this is the way to do it, um, that in some respects you get, you, you're so focused on your child and what's right for them that you don't even consider, like I love that last question about where is it okay to start cooking family meals for my child because I'm sure with my parents, it was like, as soon as I could eat solids, I was eating what they were eating. Whereas now these days, I think there's so much pressure on parents to do the right thing by their child that they forget about the family as a whole. And again, that's something in hindsight that I look back and go, I am so tired of making more than one meal, Jen. And I don't even cook most nights. My husband's doing it most nights. And, and the few times we've all eaten the same meal, it has been such a beautiful experience not yeah. just because it's less effort but because it's a shared meal and that's such an important part of family life oh, so, so I kind of feel like in some ways my children I put I was so intent on them and making them happy and making it all right for them that um, that's kind of how we missed out on having all the same meal yeah. in a way yeah. yeah and it's hard and I think your point about the fact that you know, like the person's question about the family meals because they're worried about sugar and salt, which is completely justified. I would do that. But then what we do is we then get too scared that if they have a little bit of salt or sugar, that's the end. Where yes. the reality is the experience of having a family meal, especially if, you know, there's foods that are, you know, foods that, you know, cultural foods that you eat as a family and they're not being introduced to those, that's going to cause problems. So you're right. We sort of then worry about the sugar and salt. And I'm not saying don't worry about it. 
but at the expense of other experiences, which are also important. And it's about finding a balancing act. So yeah, you take, you know, less salt, less sugar in the meal, but still having those family experiences as well. Mm. Um, we've probably got time for one or two more questions. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Yeah, we'll just have our own little chat. Um, this is a, another question. It says, my one-year-old son is allergic to cow's milk and he is refusing soy milk. I need ideas for what to give him in order to get enough calcium. What would you recommend instead? Yeah, this is a hard one because I think, which is the same with sort of dairy across the board, is that I think the two th nutrients we worry about is iron and calcium. And, and I think a lot of our decisions are around that. And if they don't have it, then we we worry. Um, and the reality is, is there are some of the other um, alt milk alternatives um, do have added iron, um, saying the wrong nutrient now, added calcium in them. So if they're not doing, you know, not having the soy, which is quite of a strong, you know, flavour, then trying, you know, something like the, an almond milk or an oat milk that has added calcium. So, and some of the you know, the soy-based cheeses or do have calcium in the, them as well. But remember, there are also like, you know, it, if you can't, if you can't get it in there, you don't, have to, you know, don't stress so much about calcium because yes, calcium is really important for our bones and growing. But as soon as we focus on one nutrient, then I think we start getting stressed. It's like iron. Okay, we must get iron in, we must get iron in. They need to have the iron cereal. They need to have this at the expense of then enjoying the food experience. So I think iron and calcium are those two. So keep, you know, if they can't have uh, milk, then, you know, encourage the, um, you know, the, the soy, uh, the like things like almond milk with added iron, but maybe they'll even have um, like a soy-based yogurt rather than a milk. And if they don't have it, that's okay. Look at a wide variety of other foods, which they could potentially be getting calcium. Calcium's a harder one, but potentially getting calcium from other sources as well. So try the other alternate um, calcium sources, but if not, just keep encouraging in a stress-free environment, adding it into meals that you're cooking um, and let your child enjoy all the other foods that they're allowed to eat. Oh, we have one time for one more question, I think. Uh, this is, uh, says, my baby is 10 months old and loves to eat, but only purees. She gags at anything lumpier than very mush mushy porridge and refuses pretty much all finger foods I've offered her. I've tried steaming different fruits and veg, very soft rice, soft bis biscuits, etc. She's just not interested. I'd love any tips or recipe ideas for encouraging her to eat something that isn't complete mush. Thanks. Yep. And you know what? I've got a, probably a quick answer to that. If you're still having kind of at around 10 months and they're still really only sticking to the puree, then go and see a pediatric speech pathologist who specialises in feeding um, 100% because they can check out to see if there's something happening. Because um, like I said, it's like some kids who just don't walk as quickly. Some kids just don't learn how to chew and swallow. They could be have a really sensitive gag reflex. They could might not have learned how to sort of chew and swallow. And they can, the pediatric speech pathologist can actually give you exercises to help strengthen those muscles to help with that. So I'd say by 10 months, if it's not happening, it's not about giving them, you know, nice food or different food. You actually need to go and get it checked out first. So that would be my 100% recommendation for you. Oh, fabulous. Well, um, we've run out of time. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a very intelligent conversation, Jen, so I don't, don't apologise. <laughs> um, <laughs> learning from my mistakes, that's surely people need to know that, right? That is very important. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for joining us. And thank you, Jen, for being here and answering all our questions. Thank you for having me. 
If you have a question for our experts, you can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au, join our weekly live helpline, or leave a question in our Facebook helpline group. All the links will be in the notes of this episode. Next week, we're looking at how to parent well with parenting coach Karina Lane. And when we say parent well, we mean parent without feeling like you're losing your mind or about to collapse in a heap. I hope you can join me for that. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you then. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.